So I'm Coach Corey Wayne. I'm here on the gun range at Homestead Training Center with uh, John Dufresne, KineticConsulting.net, who I've been training with for I guess, about three years now, off and on. Pistol, rifle. Today we're doing uh, SPRs and distance shooting, and I just want to introduce John to you guys, and he can tell you a little bit about what he does. I highly recommend him. He's one of the coolest, nicest people, most dangerous, but kind men I've ever met. His wife thinks he's the absolute second coming of Christ when it comes to men and masculinity. So, And doing what I do for a living, I, as I was telling John a while back, I don't meet too many guys whose girlfriends and his now wife gush on them like she does about this guy. So I want to introduce John to you and he can tell you a little bit about what he does. I highly recommend you do some of his classes. So... So, uh, so like you said, I'm John Dufresne. I'm uh, the owner of Kinetic Consulting. Uh, prior to teaching, uh, I got into uh, the Army, started in the Army Special Operations side of things in the, in the Ranger Regiment. And then from there, when I left, I got into teaching more and teaching citizens as well as law enforcement, military, uh, federal agencies and things like that. And uh, I, I just enjoy shooting. So when people want to come out and shoot, it makes me happy. So that's that's what I do for a living. What types of classes do you specialize in? What types of, uh, like, what do you recommend for the average person to get into just the basics of pistol and rifle? So when it, when it comes to like, let's say we pulled the tag right off your gun and you had to kind of come learn, uh, I would highly recommend taking a private lesson first because my classes are geared towards somebody that's already understanding of shooting and then we're just pushing them further. Um, but after you've gone through the basics or you feel like you've gotten through the basics, uh, it goes straight into my mechanics courses. So whether it's a pistol mechanics or a rifle mechanics, um, those are the ones that I usually gear people towards. Uh, if you've already taken a lot of classes and you feel comfortable shooting and you're like, you, you feel like you've, you've gotten past the, the hurdle of the, the smaller learning stuff, then uh, I have other classes that are more geared towards that. Uh, even though the mechanics courses can probably still help you. Uh, but I teach a lot of night mission oriented stuff in the dark, so being out here in the sun is weird. Uh, and then uh, and I also teach a lot of tactics-based courses, so you can see those as well on my website. Cool. And so talk about um, your weaponized geometry class and force-on-force force and the importance of that and why people should train force-on-force. Force. Okay. So force-on-force, uh, force, if you didn't know, is uh, is what we call shooting at another person, but with non-lethal training munition. A lot of people use airsoft. I use uh, something called UTM, and uh, they, they hit pretty hard. They are going at like 370 feet per second. But the importance of doing that and getting comfortable uh, fighting another human being is because they actually move, they talk, they fight back, they shoot back, and they're also reacting to the natural behavioral things that you do too. So it's great to start learning what that looks like, especially for people that have only played on paper or steel targets. Because those steel and paper targets are only gonna give you one thing. They're just gonna give you a representation and historic data on what you were able to shoot and how you were able to shoot. Uh, but they don't give you the okay to be like, hey man, you're gonna be a badass. Uh, it's, it's kind of a false representation of skill until you actually test it out on a human being. So testing it on humans when force on force with non-lethal training munitions is probably the best way to go about doing so. And you never know how you're going to act with a little bit of stress and a little bit of somebody trying to fight you. 
So it's, it's really nice to see. It, it also brings out a lot of things or deficiencies in your training that you may be doing on the range. And it also highlights things that you've been doing right. So it's very uh, important, I think, in your training if you're trying to be serious about this and you're not, you're not just carrying a gun because you think it looks cool. You're carrying a gun because you actually want to protect yourself and your family. So that to me is important. Force on force is a very big equalizer and showing those different things. One or two more. It's gonna. It's basically the closest that you can get to being in a gunfight. Yeah. With without dying. Yeah, without dying. <laughs> you get the little bee sting. So when the rounds hit, you got thick clothing on, but it stings. So it lets you know that you got shot, and that helps you correct. Like I remember when I first started doing runs with him and the the shoot house. It's like. He's behind you, and you're clearing rooms and going through doors, and there's anywhere from one to three people waiting to am ambush you. They know what door you're probably going to come through, so they're hiding, and they're waiting for you, and you're trying to pie into the room so you don't expose any of your body, and hopefully you see them before they see you. And I remember it's, it's quiet. You start Your heart's racing yeah. faster. You got a, a like a clear mask on, so you start breathing heavy. It starts clogging up a little bit, and it's just like you can hear a pin drop, and so you just you don't know what what's going to happen, when it's going to happen. You just know somebody's waiting to shoot you. And you know, we were talking a lot about like the different people in law enforcement. They never train with force on force, and then when you see people, you know, police officers get into a gunfight and they just start emptying their magazines and they don't hit anything like the. Um, the UPS, we were talking about that in the podcast the other night. The UPS guy that got held hostage. He, um, I think it was like a first first day of work. Family's all proud of him. Got a, you know, got a new job. He gets hijacked by a, a gunman, a burglar. I don't, I don't, it was a criminal that was fleeing from the police. They chased him, blocked him in, and then he comes down. I guess with his arm around the UPS guy, and then he started shooting at the police. And then I think it was. It may have been you that told me there was like six police officers, and there was something like over 200 rounds they fired in a matter of seconds. I can't remember the numbers, but yeah, you can look it up, and uh, and it it was pretty bad. So what what ended up happening is uh, you you had a lot of suboptimally trained officers dealing with a very volatile and, and high risk situation. And what ends up happening in those situations when they don't get enough training, they don't get enough repetitions doing certain things, they fall back on their level of training or you fall back on your level of competence, right? And your subconscious competence skills, if you don't have those built up to an extent, you're going to fail in that situation. And that's what you see if you guys look up any kind of uh, video camera footage, body cam footage, anything that you can find that's an actual fight between two people. Uh, there's some constants, right? We have one, two people are scared in that situation at least. <laughs> then you have two people that are probably moving. They don't really stand there and shoot each other like back in the day or like westerns. Like they just stand there and shoot. That's not a thing. We move our feet because our bodies want us to get out of there and stuff. And we start doing certain behavioral things. Um, when that all starts happening and you've only shot static your entire life uh, against a piece of paper... So that's a huge difference between paper and a human being trying to do the same thing to you. So it's it's a very important part of your training thing or training side of things, but also to kind of steady your mind with it. Because you can see Corey was in a controlled environment and his, his heart rate, he was feeling it. He was feeling adrenaline. He got a little jazzed up. It's, it's going to happen, but make sure it doesn't happen when for all the marbles right off the bat. 
point, get some repetitions doing it in a training environment, get yourself acclimated to it or what people call stress inoculation and help yourself get better versus becoming uh, another statistic of people that didn't get good hits on somebody. The guy still killed you and then he ended up killing your family. You know, like don't, don't become that person and, uh, and try and get yourself more prepared for life. Yeah, the thing I, I noticed that after those first few runs in the shoot house, it's like all the training and pistol and rifle that I had done with you over the years, all those thousands of rounds we had practiced. It's like once I, you know, you get the calmness kind of comes over you. It, it was just, it's like automatic. You, I, you don't even really have to think about it. It's just, yeah. you know, putting the dot where it's supposed to go and pulling the trigger. And what, what he ended up doing and experiencing was actually his time behind the gun became subconsciously, subconsciously confident. That subconscious or that competency in the subconscious was what was presented to him when he had a big problem to solve. He could just focus on the problem. He didn't have to think about grip sights, trigger, or any of that stuff. Uh, all that stuff was already done on the range and was comfortable. So all he had to do was think, okay, there's a bad dude. He's got a gun. Okay. And he just did the work. So it, it frees up your mind to thinking about the, the most important part, which is problem-solving decision-making versus the actual shooting process. So that's what he explained. Yeah, because back to the police officers, like, I think it was the, the six different officers fired, and there was, like, over 200 rounds with that. With that. With that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's so they're literally empty in their magazines, so they, they hit the U they hit the bad guy, they hit the UPS driver, kill both of them, and then I think they killed one or two people that were sitting in their car on the other side of the truck because everybody was all all blocked in just because they all, they'd never experienced any force-on-force -force training, so they, first time they get into a gunfight, and it looks like something in the movies where it's like everybody's just spraying and praying and bullets flying everywhere, and, but when you train properly with guys like John, it's like that. One of the things that struck me about weaponized geometry was how few rounds I actually ended up shooting yeah. because I'm the training that I had with him is just you, know, you don't fire until you have the dot on the person to. and because you're responsible for every round that comes out of out of your gun and if you if there's you know say somebody starts like like we just had a um, the guy that drove in the Christmas market and I think a police officer starts firing at him he didn't hit him but if you go to defend yourself or somebody else or you have a mass shooter you're trying to hit and you miss them and you hit somebody else's kid, you're going to jail. You're responsible for every round that leaves your gun. And that's the thing I noticed with all the training I had with you when we get into the force on force. And even the guys I was going against, some of them, I could tell they didn't have as much training because they're, they're emptying their magazines trying to hit me and all the rounds are hitting the wall. And that kind of helped me identify where, they, where were. they were. And so all I had to do was, you know, two shots and that was, that was the end of them. It's, it's a huge difference, and it's, it's cool to see it. I know from my side, viewing students as they go through, I get to see them when they do a good job. I can see them when, they're, when they've been practicing, and then they apply it inside of a shoot house or inside of a force-on-force -force environment. And then you can see the ones that don't and how they fail and how they fall apart. And I use it as a teaching lesson, try not to like kick them in the chest with it, but really bring to light their deficiencies. Like I said, force-on-force -force is gonna bring a lot of those into play. It also shows you what you've been doing right, which is good. It's it's kind of like the, the final test or a midterm test, and you're like, hey, man, you got to work on all this stuff because you sucked at this portion of this section of the test. So it's, I think, one of the most important things for a, uh, for a shooter or for somebody that's self-defense-minded to get into, but also the professionals out there. Uh, those that, that have been to my classes, you guys know that 
uh, when you come to a class, it's it's a mixture most of the time of law enforcement, some military guys, some civilians, uh, unless it's a contracted class. And those are, are really fun because then you get to see different lights and different views of things too. So stay open-minded and, and get into some training. Don't, don't fail yourself. You know, when the time comes, you're going to, if you don't have a training, you're, you're going to fail. You're going to end up like the, unfortunately, the police officers that ended up taking out the hostage. They got a bad guy and a couple innocent bystanders. And when you look at the stats, I, I think it's like when you compare police shootings versus somebody that's concealed carry, the police are three or four times more likely to shoot an innocent person versus somebody that's concealed carry. And to me, I believe that just boils down to training because, you know, people, some of the people we know in law enforcement, they're like, we get four hours of training a year. Everything's budget driven and that's it. And most police officers aren't going to spend the money on the ammunition or training because they're, you know, they're on a fixed income to go and train and learn this stuff. And then, you know, unfortunately they get into a real world situation. You're probably going to get a police officer that probably hasn't fired his, his service weapon until maybe, you know, maybe once a year when he had to qualify for it. Hopefully not. Um, the, the other thing and, and something that, that was told to me that I think uh, hits home is that the firearm is, it's, it's on their belt every day, right? And, uh, and the firearm is a high consequence, low frequency tool. So that comes out, a lot of consequences for using it right or wrong, right? But there's the frequency of use of it is so little that it, it's so unbalanced that it, you should probably be balancing it out. You should frequently practice with it so that the frequency of you getting comfortable with it becomes higher. And then the consequences hopefully won't be as bad because you have put time to actually working with them. Um, and that way you don't have to fight for your life or fight having a bunch of felonies based off of killing the wrong people, doing all the, the wrong things in the world. Uh, so don't make us look bad as shooters, man. We already get a bad rep because somebody doesn't like the way the guns are shaped and the, why they make noise. So get some training. Don't be a fucking liability. Shooting is a perishable skill. You gotta practice. Like I, I've noticed when we, I go several months without training, and I get back out there, I am, I am rusty, and I notice the difference, and he notices it obviously. But that's why, why you train. You have to do it. You want to keep, you remain competent, and safe. You have to train. Yep. Do better. Do better work.